It's derby time. Come on, tell your friends. We'll go to many distant lands. With Dan the coach and Jackie the skater, the fun will never end. It's derby time. Welcome to the Power Through the Fourth Whistle Roller Derby Podcast. This is Jackie Bauer. Thank you for joining me today on the path to becoming better athletes, teammates, leaders, and human beings. Welcome back, team. Jackie B here. Yeah, I finally embraced it. (laughs) I actually changed my Twitch name to Let's Go Jackie B, which is a lot more fun. (laughs) So uh, those of you who came by for my birthday stream, thank you very much. If anyone wants to follow me on Twitch, it's twitch.tv slash Let's Go Jackie B. No punctuation necessary for those words. And I'm Yeah, mostly playing Animal Crossing, but other games too. And I'm having a really good time. I'm not doing anything specifically roller derby related yet, but that could change in the future. Uh, In the meantime, I just like hanging out with people and that's pretty fun. (laughs) So let's get to it because the WFTDA finally released these revised return to play guidelines. Yay! Oh. I don't, I can't tell you how many times I keep thinking like, oh, I should put out an episode, but I, the guidelines are going to be out any minute, right? They're supposed to come out in June. June comes. Where are the guidelines? Where are they? I, I checked every day for the guidelines. And then funny enough, they showed up on my birthday, the one day I didn't check. And I couldn't believe it didn't even show up in my newsfeed for all the checking I'd been doing. And then like a bunch of other posts went up on that Facebook page after. So I almost felt like they buried it a little bit. I'm like, come on, this is the most important thing I can think of for roller derby in a long time. The ability to play roller derby. I know we want to be revolutionary, but it's hard to do that if we don't have a sport. So let's get to the sport part. I I think there's a few people out there who might agree with my perspective on this. So if you have not had a chance to read these yet, I am going to kind of summarize them and go through them a little bit for you as a little preview. I do recommend you go check out the specifics for yourself, but uh, let's jump into it. So there's a new return to roller derby plan and the WFTDA recognizes that some roller derby participants have not been able to skate over the course of the last six months or more. Yup. Yup. That's very true. Very, very true. Uh, 15 months for me uh, with my team. And they're introducing the, a new baseline level process for a safe return to on skates activity. Now, this is coming in lieu of the fact that the original uh, requirements slash restrictions were pretty restrictive and they depended a lot on really, really low numbers in your community, which it's pretty hard to manage that. Like, I don't have control over what everyone in my community is doing, but if I know that my team 
is behaving responsibly and taking care of themselves and each other. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) the new baseline level process, because some of us couldn't even get to the ladder before. Now there are three possible baseline condition scenarios that let you get onto the flipping ladder. Number one, areas that have a productive vaccination program in effect, wherein there is a high level of participation from residents. That one definitely hits my area. I feel like uh, the area I live in, everywhere I look, there is information about vaccines. I feel like they're readily available. Uh, Now you can almost walk into places and get them without an appointment as much as before. So it's definitely happening here. In fact, I think the county I live in might have the highest percentage of vaccination in the state I live in, possibly. I think that's like 55%. Uh, The second scenario is areas that have no mass vaccination program in effect currently, one that has a substantial weight, or one that has a significant vaccine hesitancy, but where COVID rates are decreasing. So maybe you don't have the abundance of resources that my area has, but the numbers are going down. So, hey, come on uh, on this ladder. Head on up. Uh, The third scenario is areas whose governments have mandated a COVID mitigation strategy that allows them to be completely open without mass vaccination programs. So if you're lucky enough to live in an area where maybe you don't have to have the mass vaccination program because things are cool, then it's cool to get on the ladder. Get on board. Get on this ladder here. So uh, this updated program is asking all of our roller derby leagues to re-enter roller derby slowly and carefully to minimize potential injuries or breakthrough COVID cases. Now that's just a smart thing for any adult to do, but there it is. Uh, (laughs) But they have laid out some things which it's hard to tell if these are requirements or recommendations based on the language. Let's go through some of the language. I think, I feel like it's more recommendations. For example, prioritize outdoor practice in places where you are able to do so. To me, this sounds like try to go outdoors, but if not, maybe we don't jump down your throat. Uh, The next one says, emphasize rebuilding strength and fitness through non-contact drills. Y'all, Please don't go out there and hit each other in the first drill when you get back. Please try to see if you can play the wheelie game like by getting the wheels on your feet to work and your body to work before you fling yourself at another human being. Please and thank you. The next one says, footwork, line drills, endurance with ample spacing. So yeah, do that stuff you do when you come back after the off season. <laughs> I think everyone kind of knows that, but extra do that, please. <laughs> Pods, six to 10 people, and small group focused programming. This one doesn't have anything like, please try to do this. Um, I think they want us to be in groups of six to 10 people still. Maybe even if everyone is vaccinated, I'm unclear on this. Do 
what if we know everyone's vaccinated? What if we know that? Do we still have to be in this pod? I'm a little unsure on this point, honestly. The next one says, recommended mask use. This is a recommendation. And just to be perfectly honest, I I live in an area where everywhere it says if you are fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask to go into the grocery store. Um, there are a lot of places where if you're fully vaccinated, businesses don't have any problem with you walking in without a mask now. And I think I've heard that tomorrow of the day I'm recording this, the governor of my state might be lifting the mask mandate entirely. So at that point, it will be up to each individual facility, business, etc., to decide what their mask policy is if they still want to have one. So uh, in a world where that's the reality, are we supposed to ask all of our skaters to wear masks when they don't have to wear them for potentially maybe any other situation in their daily life now? It's a good question, and I'm just asking it, and I, I'm asking it because it, other people are going to be asking it too. So it's just something to think about. Is this something we can really require? I don't think we can require it. I think that's why they're using the language of recommended. So that might be up to you and me to decide for ourselves. And lastly, report any cases of COVID-19 you believe are a result of league activities. Well, yeah, I mean, they set up this whole ladder. I think they want to know if it's working. I think they want to know if at any point something breaks down in the process. And if so, what was the cause? (laughs) Then they'll come get you. (laughs) Um, And yes, uh, the WFTDA recommends that all members get vaccinated when they are able to do so. The rollouts have been inequitable along race and class lines and based on government resources. And it is important for us to center this in our returns. Additionally, not everyone is medically able to get vaccinated. All of these realities have influenced our COVID plans, which are based around health, safety, and vaccine access in your community. All that is fair. All that is very fair. Please try to get vaccinated. Understand that some people cannot. And uh, just do your best. And uh, so the leagues who have not skated for more than six months, a lot of us, can review the scenario that fits your league and then proceed to the baseline activities. So let's skip things like these important concepts that define words like league. If you need to know what a league is, go back and read that page. (laughs) There's also an additional document that is the new uh, requirements slash recommendations, I think, for bringing back audiences and what audiences should be like for roller derby in the light of this COVID world. Uh, so I'm not going to go into that one today. I'll save that for later on down the road when I think uh, audiences are more likely to happen in uh, the area I live in, because then I'll be a lot more excited to go over that. Um, the guidelines for officials, photographers, announcers, and other volunteers, um, they want you to follow this stuff too. That's the sum up of that page. All right, baseline activities. So... Once again, your basic practice hygiene guidelines are, hey, don't go if you're sick. 
Don't be dumb. Uh, <laughs> travel individually to and from practice unless your people that live together. Please wash your, your stupid gear. <laughs> Sorry, I'm adding some language here. Don't share water bottles. Yeah, probably not. Uh, also saying don't share equipment. Limit outside visitors. Allow use of masks and gloves. Sure, if people want to wear them, absolutely. I don't think anyone's going to tell you you shouldn't wear them or you can't wear them. Like, But you want to wear them, do it. And uh, disinfect your facility regularly. Hey, we should have been doing this before. Otherwise, it wouldn't be quite as smelly. And then there's a review of COVID symptoms. I'm not going to read that. You all know what they are. We've been living with this long enough. Um, getting geared up. How does my league know we are ready? Uh, here's the questions you can ask. One, has your league identified a risk coordinator to manage risk assessment and wellness for your league? Um, I feel confident we have one. I couldn't tell you who it is off the top of my head, but I have memory problems, so that's okay. Uh, the second one, has your leadership read the WFTDA infection control guidance for leagues and made them available to your league? Oh, I got a lot of rule followers in my league. I know they've read this stuff. Uh, three, has your leadership read the recommendations for return to full context skating and made them available to your league? Um, our leadership has assumed people are adults and can read. Um, they have not printed it out and handed it to them. Um, but we are assuming people are going to be smart. And lastly, do you know where to find the most accurate and updated information on COVID-19 in your region or country? Like, again, be an adult. <laughs> All right. So uh, another page I can skip. Okay. Um, scenario one. So the area that fits for me with the productive mass vaccination things, uh, 40% plus of residents in your league's area are fully vaccinated or 50% are partially vaccinated. Um, and then all of the members of your league are eligible to receive a vaccination. Uh, and the, in parentheses, recommended but not required because uh, they can't force you to get one, but they do recommend it and I recommend it. So I'm going to stand behind the WFTDA with this recommendation that you get a vaccine. What a big stand I'm making. Uh, the percentage of positive tests over two weeks in your area are less than 5%. And the governments have approved indoor contact sports and um, grouping of peoples of 30 or more. I'm pretty sure all of this is is good without even looking, but... I'm sure we'll look into it. And so we can do baseline activities and should do so for a minimum of four weeks. Oh boy, I can't wait to see what we can do for four weeks. Um, the second scenario, if your league is in an area that does not have that functional vaccine program in effect, um, they're asking um, if you have 100 new active cases per population of 100,000 average over 14 days or for lower population density, see a chart on page 13 or percentage of positive tests over two weeks is less than 5%. So the same as the scenario beforehand. And also the government has approved the indoor contact sports and groups of 30 people hanging out there. Cool. 
Um, and then there's a chart. I'm not going to read all the math stuffs. You can look that up if that's your scenario. Scenario number three, areas with governments who have exhibited excellent mitigation and completely reopened or removed restrictions have to have this following criteria. One, uh, all the governments have opened all the facilities, schools, and government stuff. Two, they approved contact sports. Three, masks not required. Four, positive tests over two weeks is less than 5%. So we're all, let's all go into that camp together, hopefully. Uh, so yeah, they want us to have four weeks of on skates, non-contact. And it says, we know everyone is eager to play roller derby again, but if you haven't played in more than six months, we ask your league create a plan for four weeks of on skates, non-contact activity. Please look at the This Is Roller Derby beginner curriculum for ideas and also to prioritize outdoor activities. They are also recognizing that not everyone can do this or has an ability to do this, but please try. <laughs> and they're recommending masks. And if you are inside, they would like you to have excellent ventilation, like open the windows and big doors if you can. Uh, they want you to work in the small groups, like they said before, and create a sign-up sheet for contact tracing with each practice. So a list of people who are there, and then if anyone does have symptoms, you can let everyone else know. Um, we tracked who came to practice before this, so keep doing that. Um, consider adding a weekly symptom check-in for skaters returning to practice. Are we supposed to text them beforehand and be like, these are the symptoms of COVID? Do you have any of these? <laughs> I don't know. Um, again, I, I think we should just ask people to be adults. And if you feel like any of this is happening, please don't come to practice. Um, so, yeah. Um, and, of course, if at any point the rates go back up, you should pause at baseline. And uh, not continue forward and maybe stop practices for a while if things happen where there's like a breakout in your league, of course. Also, it's important for folks to make sure plans are created with equity and access in mind. This can mean a lot of things, including where your league is able to practice, how you think about recruiting or extending invitations to new members, or even your league's participation policies. These are especially important as we slowly rebuild, recognizing that members will continue to be unpacking trauma. Okay, my thoughts on this is... I don't know if your league should have um, policies about how much anyone participates right now. I don't think we're going to have an attendance policy. We're not going to just suddenly throw that back in. It's going to be completely voluntary who wants to come back and when. I think uh, a lot of people are going to come back pretty quickly and be pretty excited and enthusiastic to do so. But we're not going to start setting up restrictions. Absolutely not. <laughs> And yeah, try and make it fair for people. Um, don't set up somewhere where people aren't going to be able to get to it. Yeah. So then you can go to tier one. This is what confuses me. I can't tell the difference between baseline and tier one because when I look at all this, it's league return with no contact. Yes, that's what we were doing. Suspend all league attendance policies. Yeah, I just said that. 
encourage regular symptom checks at home, allow the use of masks and gloves if you want, create and encourage a judgment-free self-reporting structure, uh, tracking, uh, don't mix your peoples too much, keep your small groups, um, and do exercise and things. Um, yeah, so how is that different? So let's see. Baseline conditions, if one positive case in your league from an active member or a member's close contacts, like a, a roommate or cohabitant, should always result in league ceasing activities until the quarantine period recommended by your medical provider has passed before restarting tier one of the ladder. And if your government reinstitutes social distancing guidelines that limit congregation, get off the ladder. Sorry, you got booted off the ladder. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, apparently you can go up to the next tier if your league participates without contact for 14 day intervals and everything is fine and nothing has changed, you can go up ahead. So to me, I can't tell any difference between baseline and tier one. At baseline, we're supposed to do those for four weeks. And then at tier one, it's two more weeks of the same. So it sounds like it's six weeks before we can go to contact drills, according to this. And if I'm wrong, write in and tell me because I can't tell the difference between these two at all. Tier two. So after these six weeks, you can restart contact drills and you continue to follow everything in tier one, but you can have low contact training drills. And then everything else it just said. If one positive case happens, you're going to, everybody stop. Everybody stop what you're doing. Um, <laughs> if there's a seven-day increase in your league's local numbers, where you live, you should go back to tier one, no contact. Uh, yeah, basically, if anything changes, um, back off, go down. And I guess if it's two weeks of this and it's fine, you can go to tier three. Tier three, league only scrimmage and full contact. So um, it says follow everything from tier one, but now you can do full contact training and scrimmage drills and NSOs can participate in this tier. I should also say um, skating officials were allowed to come in at tier one. I guess that one was a difference, like tier one, skating officials could come in. Tier three, you can have your NSOs, your non-skating officials. So you're probably wondering to yourself, what's technically the difference between low contact and full contact? It's funny, in another lifetime, in a reality before this one, I would have told you it would be the difference in intensity. If I were training a new skater, it would be the difference between doing drills that involve leaning and um, like positional blocking versus full on hitting. But now I'm a little bit less certain because I think a lot of this also has to do with how much you're touching each other. And honestly, I think you're touching each other a lot more with positional blocking and leaning and different things like that. Whereas with a hit, it's just kind of like a quick thing and boom, it's done. Um, 
But if you are taking this as a purely skating skills, how you should advance, it would be like the before times. So I guess interpret this as you will, going from low contact to full contact. I mean, it does make sense to kind of ease into things, and I would just ease into things by doing it the skating way of increasing your skills with the lesser impact contact and then the higher impact contact adding in the hitting later. But if there's something different involving basically germs, I'm just going to say that I am not understanding the difference from, then yeah. And again, if anything changes, get off the ladder. Uh, 14 days at this and you can start going to interleague gameplay. Uh, audiences are not recommended until tier five because it will be a lot harder to do effective contact tracing. Um, so members who are on tiers three and four should plan for slow integration of these groups of community members. Officials, skating officials tier one, non-skating officials tier three, announcers and volunteer staff can come in at tier four, but have to practice social distancing, recommending masks or announcers that stand six feet away from each other and then don't have to wear a mask and wash your dang hands. Um, so on tier four, interleague gameplay. So we can play other people. We can play people not in our league. Yes, the league may participate in games with other leagues, but they have to be within the same region as defined by a city, state, or multi-city state, province, locality, within a reasonable geographic proximity of the league, within the same country. And you have to share similar COVID timing and response. And basically, you apparently have to play another city who's just like you, if you can, who is in a similar spot to you, if you can, with your local area. <laughs> and try not to have them be too far away. I'm not seeing specifics, but they're like, hey, please try to be kind of close and similar. And these should be... uh limited to single games or smaller multi-game events to limit congregation. It says these games may be sanctioned, but should be limited to single games or smaller multi-game events. I don't think they're saying sanctioned as far as rankings because I was under the impression rankings weren't coming back forever. I mean, for, I don't know, <laughs> maybe next year, maybe not next year. <laughs> uh, it's interesting that that word's in there because that's the first thing that it makes me think of is that this is a game that counts for something, but I don't think it is. So yeah, um, so that's your tier four. Your tier four is let's have a game. Let's have all the normal players there. Let's not make it too wild and not have extras there because we're not having audiences until tier five. And when you know you can go to, oh, it's saying to step back down, basically all the same things as before. But if you want to step up, um, 
You are participating in regional gameplay with other leagues for 14-day intervals. Community spread isn't increasing in your region or their region, the other league. And full travel is appropriate and allowable between your area and the other area without quarantine or other restrictions. And that testing and contact tracing programs are available in the region that you're playing in and the region of origin of the teams, etc., etc. So now at tier five, you can return to domestic gameplay, small events. So uh, you can travel outside your region. Uh, Again, they want pretty small events and small live audiences are possible per the requirements of the audience guidelines. And uh, when you return to gameplay, Hmm. Consider purchasing travel insurance for your league members when travel is possible to allow for cancellations should your leagues be affected by a new outbreak. Hmm. Oh, <laughs> I guess that's pretty forward thinking. And uh, it, they're reminding you not all travel policies include pandemic coverage. Yeah, I, I don't know where y'all are traveling to to play these games. This must be cross-country games because... I don't think I need travel insurance to drive three hours to someone downstate. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, then blah, 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 14 days later, if all goes well and things don't go bad. Tier six, return to long haul and international gameplay. Oh, now you can go long haul travel, including crossing international borders. And... Again, they don't want you to have too many games. You can have small live audiences and make sure it doesn't go bad. And if this goes well for 14 days, you're at tier seven. Return to full scale events with spectators. There are no travel restrictions in all WFTDA regions unless otherwise determined by the WFTDA board of directors. So are you saying... If there are no travel restrictions in the world by any government, but the WFTDA board of directors thinks there should be, you might add some? Because that's a confusing statement there. And you can tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, No limit to the size of the event or number of participants and spectators. And the WFTDA returns to full global competitive pathways and events. So if everyone gets to tier seven, I think that's when rankings come back. I don't think they're going to do rankings until everyone is there. So let's do the math. Let's assume everything works perfectly. So baseline was four weeks. Tier one, two more weeks. Tier two, two more weeks. Tier three, two more weeks. Four, two more weeks. Five, two more weeks. Six, two more weeks. So it's actually possible if everything was perfect, in 16 weeks, approximately four months, you could be at tier seven. It's possible you could be there before the end of 2021. Now, this is the most optimistic viewpoint you could ever have. Things could obviously change. There's, you know, a pretty regular flu season in the fall. And 
we'll have to see what happens. But this is the most optimistic I've ever felt about getting back to roller derby. Because at first you're like, and then two more weeks, and then two more weeks. But math-wise, if everything went absolutely swimmingly, you might be in front of an audience with no restrictions in four months. How likely is that? I have no idea. But it's actually possible. Honestly, now that I've done the math, I I lied to you before. I said I wasn't going to do the audience guidelines, but now that I know it could actually happen (laughs) within maybe this year, I think you'd like to hear about it. So uh, I went ahead and looked those up. It's a seven-page document. One of the pages is uh, a picture of the track (laughs) with a diagram. And uh, there's lots of words here, but I'm going to sum this up for you. All right. If you're at tier five or six, we have to recommend starting your venue spacing at 25% normal capacity and filled with only friends, family, other colleagues who are already a part of your Derby community. I think the purpose of this being the easiest contact tracing. Um, easier to get a hold of people should you find out anything went wrong. And uh, so they're asking when you're you're prepping your venue, they know not all of them are alike. Some of them are outdoors, others are indoors. And uh, if you're determining if your league is ready to host such an event, consider the safety aspects like what's the ventilation like? How frequently is the air in your space recycled with fresh air? Uh, so you're going to have to talk to somebody who actually knows that <laughs> at your building. Uh, the capacity and layout. How can you lay out the space for 25% capacity and take advantage of all that fresh air? How do you keep the audience separated from the people participating in the event, a.k.a. the players, officials, volunteers, the people who actually have to be close to the track? And hygiene. Um, are you going to have stuff available like Please stock your venue with soap, I guess, and hand sanitizer. And uh, how much space do you have for checking in socially distanced guests? Are locker rooms open and adequate for the number of people to be safe and socially distanced? And proper signage to help people figure out what the heck you're doing. Um, Adjustments to track setup requirements. So this is interesting. It says... Roller derby breath droplets pose a more significant risk to spectators during a pandemic and during times of year where flu and virus infections are more easily spread. Our audience guidelines present modifications to the risk management guidelines and are aimed to keep spectators at a safer distance from airborne illnesses than is necessary for the standard roller derby safety zone requirements. So this is pretty easy and I think any smart human could have figured this out. You take out your your floor seating. If you if you had where people could sit next to the track, they're not going to do that now. <laughs> there, no one's going to sit on the floor right next to the track. Uh, they're asking specifically that spectators may not sit within 15 feet of team benches. Um, that's pretty good. I don't know anyone who can spit that far. So I think you'll be safe from droplets at that distance. That's good. (laughs) Um, And spectators of all ages 
may only be present in areas designated zone F. This is on the diagram. It just shows like, look, here's a track. Here's the officiating lane. Here is the feet of space we want you to be away from the track. Here's you. This is where you would be, way over here on the F. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, so there's gonna be a barrier to help people not be close to the track. Not hard, not hard. Um, limit the number of seats available online to allow for some in-person sales or overflow. So if you know what 25% capacity is of your venue, say your full venue is 400, 25% capacity 100, it says you should only sell 80 to 90 seats online and leave 10 to 20 for overflow. Dude, if we sold 80 to 90 seats ahead of time, that would be a heck of a day. That would be some kind of amazing roller derby day to get that many online sales in advance. I, we have almost entirely in-person sales for our tickets for our league. So that's incredible. I think it's likely we will sell 10 to 20 seats online at the very most and everyone else would come later. So, <laughs> But yeah, we'll keep that in mind. Thanks. Thanks, WFTDA. <laughs> uh, share a map of your venue so spectators know in advance where they can sit. I guess if someone's super worried and they only wanted to go to roller derby, if they could sit on the floor, sure, you let them know in advance. Um, also include information in your online uh, sales area that reminds spectators they should not come if they have symptoms. Again, be an adult and don't go to things if you have symptoms. And include instructions on who to contact if you find out you're exposed prior to attending the event. That's actually very helpful. Um, that's a good one. And direct all participants and spectators to use the online registration system to gather basic personal information required to reach people in case of an exposure. Uh-huh. So we're supposed to get everyone's contact information if they come to this event in case something goes wrong. Um, I guess someone's going to be in charge of that. Um, and good luck with that. I, hmm, I think it's one of those things we'd have to gather it at the venue on the day. I don't think people are mm, going to just, well, I guess we could put it in the program. Hey, get out your phone and register. But I, I don't know if people are going to think to do that. I think it'll be one of those things you have to catch them at the door and be like, hey, can I just have this information in case something goes wrong? Otherwise, we're going to throw it out. Don't worry about it. We're not going to keep your information. Um, there are entrance procedures. Wow. Uh, an opportunity for temperature checks. Um, they should be done outside if you're going to do them. Asking patrons to wear a mask covering their nose and mouth at all times. Offering hand sanitizer everywhere. So they want the audience to be masked up. Um, again, if I live in an area where no one has to wear a mask, I'm not sure how to require this. And as far as seating best practices go, they want you to pack it up, limit it to groups of five. And <laughs> it says when laying out seating clusters, destroying the pack is good. <laughs> Make sure that they're no closer than 10 feet in any direction. So um, destroy the pack all over the place when seating the audience. 
and try to seat them near well-ventilated areas, like by big open doors, if you can. And uh, they're asking that the staff and volunteers don't really mingle with the spectators. Uh, no food and beverages inside the seating areas. This will encourage spectators to not remove masks. If you need to sell food or drink, designate separate well-ventilated areas that have seating away from the main spectator area. Okay, so in the general area where you have seating to watch the game, they want no food or beverage, but they'd like you to have no food or beverage at all, but they're understanding that a lot of your venues they probably don't want you to have the event unless they can get some concession sales. So have an area where people can eat and drink that has a lot of open windows and doors that they can mingle and then come back in. So I guess designate a small food court <laughs> if you can. Um, yeah. Okay. And uh, they're recommending, you know, setting up your event Um checking things beforehand and checking things after as far as symptoms and uh, a post-event preparedness evaluation. Uh, include these in your safety review. Were there any COVID-related issues or emergencies? If so, how were they resolved? Was the layout of the event successful or problematic? Can you make adjustments for next time? Encourage a three to five day waiting period after the event before resuming practice to encourage to ensure that there are no symptoms being reported by anybody who was there and consider sending an email to participants and spectators one to two days post event to remind them of how they can contact somebody should they find out they were exposed to COVID prior to coming. So it's a lot of work. Sounds like a lot of work, but it also sounds possible and manageable. It's not the worst. It's not the worst. It could have been worse. It's not the worst. So that is everything. That's your ladder. That's your audience. That's your return to roller derby as we remember it. And it's possible. It can happen. And now I've, I've gone through it for you. So I've saved you some time while you're driving in the car, stuck in traffic. You're welcome. <laughs> So thank you for listening. Thank you if you stuck through all of this. I know it can be boring to listen to me read portions of things and react to them, but I think this is actually helpful for a lot of people who might not have time or energy to put into this. And sometimes they just want to hear it quickly from someone else. So thank you. Thank you to all the patrons on Patreon. Thank you for continuing to support the effort here on the podcast. I really appreciate all of you, uh, especially a new patron, Season Chandler. Thank you so much. Uh, a thank you and a pew pew to you. And uh, thank you to our top tier patrons, Stevie Kicks, Tara Wevenson, and Kristen. Uh, thank you to any of you who stopped by the Threadless store since the last episode. Again, there are new greeting cards, face masks, and neck gaiters available. So if you do want to wear a mask to practice, uh, you can wear a roller derby one <laughs> with one of your favorite designs on it. And that's not so bad. And uh, thank you to Genergy, our transcriber. Uh, you may have noticed lately that there haven't been new transcribed episodes going up. And that's because Genergy is on a bit of a break. Uh, Genergy was getting a little overwhelmed by life. 
and I fully support Genergy. And I told her, uh, there is no deadline. Whenever you get any of these done, I am grateful to you because I'm never able to pay you what you are worth. So I completely appreciate every moment you have given to this podcast and I'll see you when I see you. It's okay. So I want you to know, uh, transcribed episodes are not gone. They are delayed. And if there's anyone else out there with transcribing experience who is interested in helping out, I can try to make it worth your while and I will incredibly appreciate you. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, thanks again for listening. We have been talking about Derby and sharing Derby thoughts. Pew, pew! God, I almost forgot what we do here. (laughs) See you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Power Through the Fourth Whistle Roller Derby Podcast. I really hope those laser beams of positivity will carry through your day. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on Facebook or on Instagram or Twitter at Power Fourth Whistle. That's P-O-W-E-R, the number four, T-H-W-H-I-S-T-L-E. You can find fun videos of On and Off Skates training at our YouTube channel, Facebook page, and Instagram. You could also support the podcast on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. The benefits of becoming a patron include fun stuff I can send you, like stickers, buttons, or shirts from our Threadless store. You can get access to our Discord server, bonus content, and free giveaways. Plus, patrons now have access to an ad-free version of the podcast that will download to your favorite podcast app each week, and everyone can access our transcribed episodes at patreon.com slash powerforthwhistle. If you like the content we provide and want to support us on this journey, please consider becoming a patron. If you want to expand your derby wardrobe, of course, another way to support the podcast is visiting our store at powerforthwhistle.threadless.com, where you can get our designs on just about any type of apparel or accessory you can dream up. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast anywhere you can. Leaving reviews is still the best way to help this podcast be found and spread those laser beams of positivity to more humans. Plus, it's a way you can give back that is completely free. Open up your Apple Podcast app, punch those stars, and leave me a pew pew!